Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. Welcome in and happy Thanksgiving to you that are watching right now. We appreciate y'all being dialed in. A lot of college football that is probably about to be played at the time of you watching this, maybe even in a few hours. In a couple of minutes, we got the Egg Bowl going down here today on Thanksgiving Day. We got Rivalry Weekend about to be upon us in full force. We're so glad to have you here. This is the Hard Count, People's College Football Show, talking college football and only college football every single day of the year, including this day, Thanksgiving Day. A lot of people said, eh, I don't know if they're going to have a show. A lot of, lot, lot of shows that are kind of taking the day off or doing a, a best of series or maybe just no show, period. Like, not us. Not us. No shade to those shows that don't. We choose to talk college football today. So we're glad to have you all a part of this. About to get into some turkey. Maybe you already got into some turkey. Uh, we got a lot to get into ourselves here. We actually have the man, the myth, the legend, one of the goats in this space that works here for on three, Andy Staples brought him on to do some rivalry superlatives, if you will. Talking about rivalries with the most hatred. I think you kind of already have a pretty good gauge for which rivalry that may be. Talking about rivalries maybe that are a little bit sneaky. Doesn't have the same brand power that some other rivalries have, but still a rivalry worth watching. And the result obviously could uh, surprise you a little bit by nature of it being sneaky. Speaking of the result, most impactful rivalries, we'll talk about that. Really great segment with Andy. A great conversation. It was a pleasure to, to talk some ball with the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, also, speaking of myths, legends, and men, we got Jake Olson from USC. The long snapper was the first Division I blind football player in history snapped against Western Michigan. I believe he also snapped against Oregon State. Motivational speaker, author, like, dude is the man, someone I'm very, very proud to call a close friend of mine. He came on the show 
And we just talked about what's going on at USC because Jake being an alum, he's so close to that situation, closer than anybody else in the country, or at least has, has a unique perspective than anyone else in the country would have. So we talked to Jake about where things stand with USC. Is the Lincoln Riley criticism fair? What does it take to succeed there? Really interesting, stop, uh, really interesting spot for USC and a really interesting conversation. So we appreciate Jake joining the party as he always does. Now, every single Thursday, we've done it the entirety of the season. We're not stopping right now. Our final thoughts on what will potentially happen when it comes to this rivalry Saturday. Got some predictions for you there. And uh, yeah, excited to jump into that with y'all. Appreciate you being dialed in. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a minute of what we got going on right here on the On3 YouTube channel, on this show, The Hard Count. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. We're thankful for y'all. I usually say that at the end of a segment, end of a show. I want to lead it with this show because it's Thanksgiving. You have a lot you could be doing, a lot that y'all probably are doing right now. But you're making time to get in here with us, talk some ball, and have a good time and celebrate this day. So we're thankful for y'all, and we cannot stress that enough. So let's get into it. We got some upsets to talk about, y'all. Yes, it's Thanksgiving. Yes, the vibes are high. But when it comes to rivalry weekend, weird things happen. You can't really have the same logic you would have on a previous college football weekend. Rivalry weekend, a special lens we got to put to this thing. So what is the forecast when it comes to upsets this upcoming weekend? I'm not predicting upsets, but I am telling you, keep an eye on these potential matchups. And don't be surprised if they're a little bit closer in the fourth quarter than maybe some experts would have projected. And the first one is Oregon State at Oregon. Oregon State, a 13.5-point dog. That line itself is surprising after the way that Oregon State just played Washington to a two-point loss. A lot of talent on that Oregon State football team. Silas Bolden getting after it in the slot. DJ Uyunglele, I think, is quietly one of the better quarterbacks in that conference. They know who they are. They have a strong identity about themselves. And with this game itself, there is so much extra emotion based on the circumstance. Yes, it's a rivalry game. Yes, it's a battle for the state. No, these teams don't like each other. But Oregon, they're leaving for the Big Ten next year. Like, they are one of the halves when it comes to college football. Now, Oregon State, when it came to the realignment of musical chairs, they were left without a chair when the music stopped. Still unsure what that's going to look like for the good folks in Corvallis. So can you imagine how sweet it would be for this Oregon State team to, one, knock Oregon out of the college football playoff race, two, knock them out of the Pac-12 title race, and three, send them with an L and maybe never play them again. Now, I'm hoping and I'm praying flash optimistic that we do see this rivalry in the future. But I'm just saying, like, right now, there is no next date for these two. So with the emotion baked into it, with the balance that Oregon State will try to create here, starting up front, running the football, and then some play action, I think there's a path here. Now, we already gave our prediction on this game, so go and check that out if you haven't already. But just keep an eye on this one. I think it could be a little bit tricky, and the uh, rivalry will be... A lot of rivalry juice. We'll just leave it at that. Next game to watch here, the Governor's Cup. Kentucky at Louisville. Kentucky's a six-and-a-half-point dog going to Louisville. Now, Louisville, to be honest with everybody, like they've looked very human at different times this season. The game against Virginia, they didn't look that great. A little bit of weeknight magic, maybe. Uh, the game against Miami. Miami is a better football team than most people would like to admit, but looks kind of lackluster at times there. Now, Kentucky is, uh, is limping into this game. Had a loss to South Carolina. You know, they're, they're down bad. But what I would say about Kentucky, and I said this with Andy Staples in our conversation, there's several teams in college football that are what I like to call, endearingly rather, uh, cockroach teams. And what I mean by that is you can beat them over the head with the rolling pin. You can try and put them in a trash compactor. 
you can try and wear them out for four quarters, but this team, teams like this, will not die. I'm talking about Kansas State. I'm talking about Iowa. I'm talking about Iowa State. And I'm talking about Kentucky. This Mark Stoops coach football team, it doesn't matter if they lost every game leading up to this one. They will play with passion. They will play for their head coach. And they will be a tough out, regardless of what the score is. So, with the way that this thing is shaping up, if they could knock Louisville to a two-loss team, I promise you they would be just fine doing that, going on the road and getting that done for Kentucky. So watch, watch that one. Upset forecast alert for sure in a Governor's Cup. Alabama at Auburn. A little Iron Bowl action, huh? This one's going to be a lot of fun. Now, the, the best way to talk about this one is something weird just happens. Like, it's, it's nothing novel when I say that. It's hard to quantify exactly what weird will look like. Alabama's a 15-point favorite going to Jordan-Hare. But here's the thing. Brian Harson almost beat Bryce Young. Think about the way that both of those individuals' careers diverged after that game. Brian Harson obviously no longer the head coach at Auburn. Bryce Young went on to be the number one NFL draft pick. I'm just saying, if we can live in a world like that where those two are going toe-to-toe, the spread means nothing to me. Spread means nothing to me, especially when it's at Auburn. So I don't have any tremendous analysis besides Auburn's going to be aggressive. They're going to attack Jalen Milrow. We've seen Jalen Milrow have the turnover bug before. He's playing really well right now. But keep an eye on that one when it comes to a little bit of weirdness going on in that game, as there always is. Now, last one for you. You got Arkansas. A seven and a half point underdog at the crib against Missouri. Battle line rivalry. And this is one that I think you see your, your team really laying on the line for Sam Pittman. They said he's coming back. We're keeping us our head coach at Arkansas. You love that. So some emotion baked in there. How much is in the tank if you're Missouri? Because you had a huge win over Tennessee. Vibes were immaculate. And then you play Florida at home and you need a fourth and 17 to convert and, and win the game. How much do you have left emotionally? I'm not saying that they don't have anything left. I'm saying that's a very valid question to wonder where this team is at when it comes to the juice they have to get up for a game like this. Because Arkansas, I'm telling you, they got they got some uh, some morale magic, if you will, for the good folks uh, over there with uh, with the Razorbacks. So keep an eye on that one. I think that one's going to be interesting, and I think that the spot for that one for Missouri is really really fascinating. So that's the upset forecast for this upcoming weekend. Keep an eye on that one now. Gonna be a lot of fun and uh, keep it on this slate, rather. Rivalry weekend. This is one to really, really watch when it comes to these upsets for this Saturday slate. All right, now let's make a little pivot here, staying in the vein of rivalries, as is, you know, rivalry weekend that we're in right now. Got to sit down with Andy Staples, talk a little bit of ball, talk a little bit about some of our uh, rivalry superlatives, if you will, when it comes to this rivalry weekend. And Andy and I broke down most impactful, most hatred, sneakiest. Most chance to get weird, all that. So with that being said, here is the man, the myth, the legend, Andy Staples. It is rivalry weekend. Like if you had to embody rivalry weekend, I mean, it is what embodies college football in my mind. And to break it all down, some rivalry weekend superlatives, if you will, for your Thanksgiving, the man, the myth, the legend, Andy Staples. Andy, turkey day, things get weird during college football season. They go the weirdest on rivalry weekend. Uh, figured we kind of break through uh, or break down rather some of our superlatives uh first things first happy thanksgiving how you doing doing good doing good ready to ready to eat ready to make a little mac and cheese a little, little mashed potatoes and gravy a little turkey this is uh this is the best holiday of the year because it is all about the food 
and you get football right on top of it. So a nice little pairing there. I mean, let's start here, though, Andy. Let's go with uh, the sneakiest rivalry game of this slate. I know Mississippi, Mississippi State's about to play here in a few hours. Mm -hmm. uh, what is your pick here for the sneakiest? Oh, it's the Egg Bowl. Because how many times has a game been determined by a player pretending to pee like a dog on the goalpost because he is doing it as an homage to another player from his school who pretended to pee like a dog on the goalpost. It's just good fun. Just good, good, clean fun. Uh, a lot of uh, camouflage you would expect on, on both sides of that when it comes to the crowd. So a lot, a lot, of, a lot of real good, tree. camo showing. <laughs> A lot of real tree. We won't see won't see many people in the stands because they will be camouflaged. Now it is going to be this one's a tricky one because you got Mississippi State with an interim coach with Greg Knox. Now we saw Greg Knox with the four wheeler in the locker room before the Southern Miss game, uh, and and it, I talked about this on my show. So Greg Knox trying to make a run at Ed Orgeron as greatest interim coach of all time because right now if I fired my coach, I would bring in Coach O for the last two or three games of the season and just let him have fun and do his thing because he's the greatest interim coach who ever lived. But Greg Knox, who is now 2-0 and as an interim coach, is winning against Florida State as Florida's interim coach, Southern Miss as Mississippi State's interim coach. If he could pull off the Egg Bowl win, then he becomes on that same level as Coach O. Like, if you fire your coach, you just call up Greg Knox and be like, Greg, you and your four-wheeler, get it in the locker room right now. Put him on the shoulders, carry him off, get, give him a king's exit. Like, no, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm with you. That, that's one that's going to be – I mean, especially with, with Lane Kiffin being a part of that matchup, too, it should have a fair amount of just weirdness to it to go along with the sneakiness. Uh, my sneakiest matchup here, Andy, how about the Governor's Cup? You got Kentucky going to mm -hmm. Louisville. Kentucky, to me, is one of those teams that I call, like, cockroach teams. Like, there's some teams that are just impossible to kill, and that's Iowa, it's Iowa State, I think it's Kansas State. Like, every single year, they're the same. Uh, Kentucky, with Mark Stoops running the show, is one of those teams to me. And with Louisville, with all they have to play for, and we're talking about the ACC title game, and then like you're even floating the college football playoff around with Louisville, uh, it would be so college football for Kentucky to find a way to win that game on the road. Uh, very, very sneaky to me. What do you think? Kentucky has won this game four times in a row. It's not been particularly close of late. Now, I think Jeff Brom changes the math on this thing. But I will say this, if we look at it this way, I know Louisville theoretically has a chance to still make the college football playoff, but there would ha have to be a lot of chaos because Louisville has by far the worst loss of any one loss team. They lost to Pitt, which, you know, we know why it happened because it was right after that Notre Dame game. But when you put it up against everybody else, you're like, we can't put a team that lost to Pitt in the playoff. So if you're Louisville, if we really think about this, you get a lot more out of beating Florida State than you do out of beating Kentucky. So if you're going to concentrate your energy on one thing it's beating florida state next week because that wins you an acc title so that i would say don't be shocked if louisville's looking ahead a little bit and this is a team that it's not used to winning yet they're not used to being here so this is a it's a little bit different situation it's the same reason they lost to Pitt. they're not used to this and so i think if you've been successful for a while you know how to compartmentalize all that stuff you're ready for this game but in this case I don't know how ready they're going to be. I know they would like to, to turn this rivalry around, but I think they'd probably rather win the ACC title if you're picking one or the other. So, I, I, you know, this is one where I think there, there's, there's definitely room for a little weirdness here. I think Louisville should win this. I think they should get on the right side of this thing. But 
if they lose this and still beat Florida State, they're not going to be thinking about whether they lost this or not. Yeah, and if Jack Plummer can take care of the football, which is a little bit easier said, of, said than done for mm-hmm. him this season, you know, things could be headed the right direction, headed into the, uh, the ACC title game. Let's talk about some hatred. I know it's Thanksgiving, and it's, it's a good feeling, a good vibes kind of holiday, but with it being rivalry week, and hatred is just an inevitable part of this whole thing. Uh, what, what is the rivalry that you're watching this weekend, Andy, that has maybe uh, the most hatred? Well, the Egg Bowl and then the Territorial Cup, Arizona-Arizona State, tend to be the sneaky, nastiest rivalries where they just hate each other. But I don't think there's any question what it is this year. It's Michigan-Ohio State. And I realize we'll probably use this for several different answers. But what has gone on between those two schools, the accusations being lobbed, because remember, the Michigan people are convinced that Ohio State turned them in, that Ohio State funded some sort of like surreptitious op to to find all this stuff. So they are convinced of all this stuff, both sides. Ohio State is convinced that every single rumor about Michigan is true. And they are just going to be at each other's throats. Their fans will be at each other's throats and the teams will be at each other's throats. And then you add the stakes of the game. But this, this is especially nasty this year. Yeah, Andy. And I mean, to mention what Ryan Day said when fake Lou Holtz was talking about him. Correct. A real head coach last year saying that he was born on third base when he thinks, you know, he hit a triple and like, I promise you everybody in Columbus remembers that. And that's why we're a hundred percent in lockstep here. Like, all of the off-the-field factors baked into what was already arguably the most intense rivalry in college football just make this thing, I mean, 10x more interesting. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw one more in here because I figured you and I would probably agree on this because mm-hmm. this feels like the the clear runaway most hatred. Uh, kind of sneakier on the hatred side of things, but I grew up around Georgia, Georgia Tech, and like year-round, it's probably not competitive right now, obviously, but like the, the clean, old-fashioned hate, which is the name of that mm-hmm. game, uh, Georgia Tech would love, would love nothing more than to somehow, some way, New Mexico State this whole thing and shock Georgia <laughs> on Thanksgiving. So there's a lot of hate baked into that one. It tells you how far apart those programs are that you just said Georgia Tech would have to New Mexico I thought State about this that. thing. Yep. Like, they are so far apart. But yes, it would be one of the, it would be the biggest upset of the season if it happened. And I think Brent Key's done a really good job in year one. Haynes King has been been very good for Georgia Tech, but I think Georgia's going to roll in that one. I, I, the one I think there'll be some hatred and and some nastiness potentially is Oregon, Oregon State. Yep. You know, I I think that's going to continue. I think they're going to figure out a way to keep playing that thing. But there is now even more vitriol because of what happened in the offseason with realignment. Plus. You have the stakes this game, plus you have how Oregon State won it last year, just running the ball down Oregon's throat. Like there will be teams trying to make a point. Yeah, without question. And not just with Oregon leaving for the Big Ten, with Oregon State kind of being the one of the two odd men out of this whole thing. I mean, I'm sure they would love, like you said, the stakes of it, the spoiler spot for Oregon State would just be like, should be so sweet if they could find oh, a way yeah. to get it done for the good folks, uh, the good folks in Corvallis. Uh, how about this one? Potential to get the weirdest when it comes to this rivalry slate. We know things get weird every single rivalry weekend. What's one that you're watching with the weird factor here? So Friday night, Oregon, Oregon State definitely could get weird because I, I think people forget that Oregon has to win this one. Like if Oregon loses to Oregon State and Arizona beats Arizona State, which is pretty likely according to Vegas then Arizona would go to the Pac-12 title game. So this is this is one that there's more to it than I think what everybody believes. And again, you go back to the way that game ended last year with Oregon State 
just running all over Oregon. Now, I think Oregon rebuilt their defense to make sure that isn't going to happen this time. But I also think Oregon State probably looks at how the Washington game ended, where for whatever reason, I don't know why Oregon State tried to be Washington on that last drive. They didn't need to be. They had five minutes and needed to get a field goal. Like, run your offense. Run. You were running all over them. Why are you all of a sudden thinking that DJ Uyengale is Michael Penix Jr.? Like, so given an entire game to maybe correct that mistake, I think they try to do that in Oregon. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it this year because Oregon's defense is so much better than it was last year. But that's one where if they can get get rolling, then that could be a very competitive game. I was I was very surprised when that spread came out. It was 13 and a half. It felt really big because I, I, I think Oregon State's better than that. Yeah, two scores. I think, it, yeah, like you said, 13 and a half, two scores for how closely Oregon State played Washington the week before, too, feels a little bit weird. Uh, talking about weird spreads, Nebraska-Iowa, the Heroes game, yes. Nebraska <laughs> opened as as an underdog, and now they're favored by two points. And, I mean, to, to be talking about spreads is perfect for Thanksgiving because we got a lot of people, I'm sure, that watched this show that fed their families this whole season based on Iowa unders. And so with just the way Well, you saw the total, up, right? It's, it's perfect. It's, it's so it's perfect. 27 and a half. Unreal. It's incredible. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable in every sense. Uh, and Matt Rule and company trying to make a bowl game there at home. Like just everything that goes into this game from the line itself to the under to the punch to the field position to the, the flux that Iowa has been in as an offensive staff. And they're still going to the Big Ten title game. Like this to me screams weird, Andy. What do you think? Well, and how about Chubba Purdy emerging as, as Nebraska's quarterback? Does he give them a more dynamic look than, than Jeff Sims or Heinrich Harburg did? It's hard to say, but it does feel like they, they feel pretty confident with him. Uh, no Cooper to Gene for Iowa. Now, they didn't have him against Illinois either, but does that make it tougher for their defense? I, and remember, this game was weird last year. Iowa which had a chance to clinch the Big Ten West last year, went and spit the bit against Nebraska and an interim coach. So I wouldn't be shocked if this is weird to get like this. If it goes over, I mean, you just need a 15-13 game to go over. Like the, the game Iowa played last week would send it over. But Nebraska winning this game because they need it for bowl eligibility and Iowa doesn't need it for anything wouldn't shock me one bit. That's why we love the games. Why we love the games. Last one for you here, Andy. Talking about the most impactful rivalry of the weekend. You mentioned Nebraska-Iowa. Obviously, a pretty big impact there for Nebraska. Is there one that you're watching here specifically outside of the game itself with Ohio right. State-Michigan? That, that's obviously uh, the most impactful. Outside of that, though, what's the uh, most impactful rivalry you're looking at? Well, you got the Iron Bowl. So we have not mentioned the Iron Bowl yet. And I realize, I realize Auburn just lost to New Mexico State. But I think back to two years ago. Two years ago, Alabama goes into the Iron Bowl. That's that first Brian Harson auburn team. They took them to four overtimes. The same Alabama team that the next week beat the snot out of eventual national champion Georgia in the SEC championship game. Weird things happen in that game. Weird things happen at Jordan-Hare in that game. So as strange as last week was, where New Mexico State put the hammer down on Auburn, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Auburn keeps this close, at least for a little while. Can you imagine if we get Alabama rolling into Atlanta with two losses? And they're no, playing that, that, it would be, that, I mean, it would be just 
I, I don't know what, what the word would be for it, but it would be ridiculous in every sense. Um, and like oh, you yeah. said, Brian Harson played Bryce Young extremely close, and those two obviously have very different legacies going forward. That was one I almost put Over, down as a, as a weird one. Four. It's a lot of overtimes. That's, I mean, the, kid, the kids are in bed at that point. You got four overtimes. Uh, how about Florida State, Florida? A little sunshine showdown. Mm-hmm. Obviously, for Florida State, if you drop that game, you're not out of the playoff race. Uh, that'd be a pretty ugly mark on the resume, you would have to believe, losing to, to Florida, who's trying to make a bowl game right now. But for Florida, if they beat Florida State, who's been the big dog in the state, I mean, over the last year and a half or so, I'm thinking like Billy Napier approval rating. I'm thinking packaging that up and taking it on the recruiting trail where they've already been pretty solid. Like, I think this could kind of be the uh, the moment for Billy Napier with two backup quarterbacks where things could uh, could get very, very interesting and obviously has a high impact for, for Florida State, for Florida even more so. Uh, on the recruiting trail. He needs it bad. Billy Napier needs this kind of W bad. The The fallout from the Missouri game actually surprised me a little bit. I thought people would be madder after the LSU game. It felt like they were more resigned to what happened in the LSU game. The Missouri game pissed everybody off even more, which I actually thought Florida put up a nice fight against Missouri. I didn't expect them to win the game. But then when you when you give up fourth and 17 with the game on the line, that's that's pretty unforgivable. So I think... Billy Napier needs this win bad. I think he's going to have to revamp his staff in the offseason no matter what happens in this game, but a win would help a lot. Meanwhile, Mike Norvell, take away the the immediate stuff. The You want to stay undefeated. You want to compete for the college football playoff. They, don't, they want to step on Florida and Miami's throats in recruiting. This is their chance to do that. Win this game. And it, and one game doesn't decide a recruiting class, doesn't usually make a recruit's decision for him. But the more of these you can stack, the better off you are in terms of getting the high school guys in the most talented state in America. So that one's big for them, but obviously the obvious part. Now, you go to the college football playoff piece of it. I don't know exactly how it's going to all shake out. I think a 13-0 Florida State will get in. I don't see a scenario where they get left out. The only way is if they really struggled against Florida and Louisville and still one, but this gives Tate Rodemaker a chance to have two games where the committee can watch him play and say, okay, we think they are still as good as they were with Jordan Travis, or they're not as good as they were with Jordan Travis, or, and I don't think this will happen, but who knows better than they were with Jordan Travis. Like he has those two games to let them see that. And it's very similar to what Cardell Jones had with the big 10 championship game in 2014. Now he only got the one game because JT Barrett got hurt in the Michigan game. Tate Rodemaker has two games to do this. This will be the first time we've ever seen Tate Rodemaker coming off a week of practice with the ones. The only other time we've seen him play when it really mattered was last week against North Alabama and last year when he had to go in for Travis against Louisville and did lead them to a win. So I don't know what, what to expect from him. And I will say, when you get to play Florida's defense and you have those receivers you got a chance to break yourself in pretty pretty well. Yeah, a chance to to run the football, it feels like, for Florida State. Like being able to take the pressure off your young quarterback, let him turn around and hand the ball off, get some play action. Yeah, I think it, I think it sets mm-hmm. up nicely for Rodemaker, but obviously will have a massive impact for both sides. Andy, I appreciate you making time, man. What do we got for Thanksgiving? We got any, uh, any dishes that we're uh, particularly excited about? You mentioned mac and cheese. Like we, we have a, a go-to well, here. So I, I make the mac and cheese. I have not been able to take over the full hosting for my mother-in-law. I don't think that's going to happen. She, she's a great hostess, so I, I have no right to claim that. But 
I always make the mac and cheese. We bring a secondary turkey or the ham. The mac and cheese is a recipe I stole from a restaurant in Michigan called Clarkston Union. So Clarkston is extreme northern Detroit suburbs above Pontiac where the Lions used to play. Hmm. And they have Clarkston Union and their sister restaurant is Union Woodshop, which is a barbecue place. They make the best mac and cheese on earth. And some intrepid person copied that recipe and put it on the internet. I've been making it for years and it every time is a massive hit. So you can find that recipe on the internet. It's it takes a little little practice, but once you get it down, it's just getting devoured every time. Yeah, we're gonna have to connect off the air about that. I'm gonna have to get that uh, that <laughs> recipe so I can so I can bring uh, my A game to these cooking competitions during Thanksgiving. Andy, appreciate you so much. Happy Thanksgiving and uh, enjoy rivalry weekend. Phenomenal stuff as always from Andy Staples. If you haven't yet listened to his podcast or watched him on the On Three YouTube channel, would encourage you to do that. Episodes nearly every single day. Make sure you're dialed in. He's going to keep you in the know for all things college football across the landscape. Coaching searches, analysis, game picks. Tremendous show. Again, Andy Staples on three podcasts and on this show or on this, this platform rather on the show sometimes uh, on the On Three YouTube channel. So make sure you're subscribed. So moving from one conversation to another, an individual that I'm extremely grateful for. Someone that I've known since I was in high school. I mean, we met each other in men's choir our very freshman year. Uh, our very freshman year. Our freshman year. And uh, just an all-around incredible individual played football at usc wanted to get his thoughts on the situation we got going on right now at usc a lot of chatter around lincoln riley a lot of chatter around where usc is as a, as a program so without further ado here's that man jake olson joining us now a mountain of a man a man who was the first division one football player to be legally blind playing a game usc alum author scratch golfer like like we could do a whole laundry list of what this dude has accomplished but right now bringing them onto the show jake olson jake first of all how we feeling man happy thanksgiving the folks are watching this on thanksgiving uh how are vibes right now for you <clears throat> happy thanksgiving. well jay should we should we introduce them to our, and, and maybe in, even invite any of your <laughs> yeah why not? how about you explain yeah it? Yeah, so those for those who you know want to get on jd's level really it's jd's level because he introduced it to me so we go ahead and weigh ourselves right as you get up before you put a drop of water, juice, or whatever you drink, whiskey in the morning, whatever it is, right? And you weigh yourself. You get that that raw number. And then at nighttime, after you've stuffed yourself with everything you can look at and, and more, you're going to get a second number. And the largest number, the largest differential is the winner. So um, I think... I think JD's like you know six years running here. He 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 like cuts for this thing. You know he's like he's like a, a pride fighter. You know he's like he's like a lot of Martinelli's at the end there, man. To kind of to kind of cork the bat a little bit. But I mean, that regardless, I'm I'm excited to see uh, see where we fall this year, man. How are we feeling about what's going on with USC? Because there's so much talk around you know just the way that this year unfolded, and there's so much speculation around Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, like. You are so close to this, close to anybody else. What is your overall pulse on where things stand with USC right now, brother? Yeah, well, clearly very disappointing. Uh, very disappointing. And I think a lot of people are scratching their head wondering what has happened. Uh, I think from everyone outside of, you know, JK McKay Center, where, where the, the team, you know, is, are asking themselves, hey, did we make the right decision? I mean, that's let's just be honest. I mean, that's what they're asking themselves. You know, we gave this guy 10, 10 a year, over $100 million contract. You know, let's let's actually figure out if um, that's worth it. So, um, it's going to be, um, 
Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to come to see the changes that are necessary if, if those changes are made. Obviously, Grinch is gone, but, you know, who's going to be the next defensive coordinator? Is that coordinator going to, um, you know, be someone that is allowed to kind of really run the defense like they had wherever we get him from? Or is it going to be, um, you know, defense and, and particular special teams, which, you know, is close to my heart. Are those two sides of the ball still going to kind of be a little – uh, absent from from focus in uh, in Lincoln's mind, so um, there's there's definitely things that could be you know made decisions that could be made from a from Lincoln's standpoint that could really put a lot of confidence in um, to next year, and he's going to have to do that. I mean, again, people are really questioning, so um, nothing's nothing's beyond you know um, nothing's beyond saving. You know, nothing nothing has happened that's you know, hey, this is this is just beyond even you know trying anymore like that it's not it's not that bad but i tell you another another seven to five year um it, it could get there fast especially in la and everyone knows that yeah i mean you and i were talking yesterday like the brand of usc is so sacred and carries so much weight i mean especially in, in on the west coast and that's really been like the west coast team for the longest time and now to see it kind of have the year it had last year with expectations so high obviously a ton of criticism where do you fall in the criticism with Lincoln Riley? Because I think there's one thought that, hey, he's an offensive guy. The defense was the problem. We're making changes on the defensive side. Like, it's not on Lincoln Riley. There's probably another turn of thought saying, well, hey, if the company's failing, it doesn't matter what department's failing, the CEO is taking the, the brunt of the blame there. He's responsible for that. Where, where do you fall when it comes to all the, all the chatter and the criticism on, uh, on Lincoln Riley? Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's – and you, you, you said it. I mean, I, it's, it's valid and it's, it's warranted. I mean, to take a head coaching position – um, that's what it comes with. You know, you're no longer just an offense guy or carrying out the offense. You all of a sudden have responsibilities on special teams, defense, offense, recruiting, um, making sure things are running correctly, answering questions at media days, you know, giving injury reports. All, all that stuff comes with being a head coach. Um, and in college, you know, now it's talking about meeting donors and raising money and NIL stuff, like all, all that stuff comes with being a head coach so if you want that job and if you want that role that's what it comes with if you don't enjoy that stuff if you don't enjoy you know worrying about defense or special teams if you don't enjoy giving injury reports if you don't enjoy having a you know glad hand donors or deal with the media then i mean it no fault i mean i i don't know if i would enjoy that but i'm not also wanting to be a head coach so it comes with the territory you pointed out and so the criticism is very warranted. Now it's can Lincoln find a a happy medium where he is able to do these things that is are required of him while also obviously um, spending most of his time on offense, which is you know what he's brilliant at. And we we have to give credit where credit is due. I mean, between quarterbacks and just offensive uh, mind, I mean I don't know if there's anyone better in college than Lincoln Riley. But again, he's asked to be more than an offensive mind. No, without question. And I think you hit it on the head. Like, there's one thought, well, hey, if it, you know, I think the thought that I would imagine some USC fans have is, well, hey, it's risky sticking with Lincoln Riley going to the Big Ten. It's risky that we get there and this thing happens again and we get off on the wrong foot. And on the other side of things, I'm like, well, the other risk is that you fire or don't have, you know, the, and firing is obviously a, pre a premature conversation. The other risk would be not having arguably the greatest offensive mind and greatest quarterback whisperer slash recruiter in college football as, as your head coach. Where, where do you fall on the thought around like how much 
leash someone like Lincoln Riley has because it's we're only in year two last year was a one loss season the regular season and the kind of the postseason went how it went this year obviously a, a massive disappointment for the good folks in LA how much runway do we have here to to kind of get things headed the right direction in your mind Jake <clears throat> well I mean so that that's that's a great question and look I mean let's take a larger landscape uh look at the landscape at USC you know Mike Bone, who hired Lincoln, is no longer there. Jen Cohen now has come down from Washington. And, you know, everything I'm hearing is that she, she runs a tight ship. And so, uh, again, another 7-5 and five season with everything that they're trying to put into that football program is probably not going to be uh, received really well. Um, so, you know, I, I don't have, obviously, a, a, a number that's like, oh, he's got two more years, three more, whatever that. But sure. yeah. to be honest with you, I think more, and, I, and this is completely speculation, I have not heard anything, but, you know, I think more of the question should be, you know, how long does Lincoln want to be in L.A. dealing with this stuff if he goes to 7-5 and five again? Because I promise you, um, being around a head coach, two head coaches at USC who um, struggled with, you know, the, the, the full support of the fans, it gets really lonely really fast and really frustrating really fast. And you are left kind of looking around and seeing who's with you. And um, again, you know, someone like Lincoln who could definitely just have a, a smooth sail somewhere else. Totally. Um, I don't know if he wants the choppy waters in L.A. No, I mean, I think it's a totally valid point. Like, it'd be one thing if it was like, hey, man, this guy just, I don't know, can't hack it. I don't think anybody else is, is going to hire him to do anything else. You know, like he could go, you would imagine, have a job in the NFL as a coordinator or a quarterback's coach and not have to recruit anymore. And I don't know if that's something that would be appealing. But like you said, like it's a, it's a very interesting spot that we find ourselves in, even, even having this conversation. Um, Jake, with you having played there, like you said, been under two different head coaches, in your mind, what is it that it is going to take to change philosophically and obviously we're speculating here philosophically to, to have the right guy at USC, whether that's Lincoln Riley, whether that's somebody else, like what does it take in your mind to be successful at a place like USC? Cause tons of resources, tons of brand power. What does it take to win there? Well, so I'll answer that just from first a, a you know, coaching, you know, philosophical, as you, you pointed out answer, which is, I, I really do think you need someone there who, who's going to challenge, um, these these LA guys and these SoCal guys and both you and I played in SoCal. We and you know I'm still in SoCal, so you know I, I feel comfortable saying this about the people that I'm you know about to call out here. But you know LA guys and SoCal guys are not like um, Tuscaloosa guys or Georgia guys. You know you you got to kind of you know whip them into shape a little more and um, find that dog in them. And so I think it's going to take someone to come in there and kind of bruise out the the hollywood glitz and glamour out of these guys um i don't think that that competes well against georgia and alabama um anymore now from a, a more x's and o standpoint look the, the big 10 i think is a lot different than the pac-12 i think week to week is going to be a lot easier um i think there's going to be less upsets however the thing that usc needs to absolutely figure out and they're going to struggle in the big 10 until they figure this out is getting big boys on the offensive and defensive line. If, if they can do that, I, I say Ohio State has had success in the Big Ten now for how many years, right? Ohio State is the closest thing in the Big Ten to having the outside talent and skill position talent uh, that USC has year in and year out. USC, I even think, is better than Ohio State on most years in that category and department, and they will continue to be that way. And so if USC can figure out that the, 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 the two trenches, that 
will make them probably the top dog in the Big Ten in a matter of a year or two years, whatever it is, whenever they figure it out. They will run the Big Ten just like Ohio State has. The quarterbacks, wide receivers um, that, that USC can get, I, I think will will trounce Ohio State most years. So um, just watch out because if USC can figure that out, the Big Ten's going to have a lot to deal with. And that's the thing too. Once USC gets rolling, like there's just so much talent in the backyard. Like I mean, Orange Luther and Modern Day Bosco. I mean, De La Salle's up the road. I mean, there's so much talent right in that you know backyard for USC to where if you can just give them a reason to stay and say, hey, you know, if you come here, you will get drafted. We will win games like like it has been in the past. Like USC's got, I mean, so much firepower to work with. Uh, Jake, it's Thanksgiving. A lot of huge games this weekend. Uh, anyone specifically that you are watching with a little bit extra attention? <laughs> so I what I think what I think Jeff Fish is doing down in Arizona is really cool. I, that, see, that's a guy that you know I think obviously um, you know it'd be interesting to see someone like with that kind of culture and, and attitude come to USC um, if, if things don't end up working out. But what he's doing in Arizona is really cool. Oregon obviously plays Oregon State. That that will be a very tough game and probably one of the most exciting. Um, it's, it's it's a civil war matchup, correct? Is that's what it's called? Yeah, yeah. So that's Absolutely. that's going to be one of the more interesting games probably we've seen between those two teams in a long time, if ever. And depending on that game, Arizona may go to the Pac-12 championship. And I'm I'm just telling you right now, that's a team that Washington does not want to face I, i'm just telling you right now that's a team arizona is a team that washington does not want to face in the Pac-12 championship and they played them close i mean to beat a team twice jake i mean whether it's washington oregon like i think arizona was the first team to really show like hey there's some there's some humanity here with washington that you you can't i think they held michael Penix jr i could be wrong on this i think they held them to, to no touchdown passes the first time around they played and they won i think it was by one score so that that would be i'm 100 percent with you to to see arizona there after they've been expecting oregon like that would be a, a be a shock to the senses to say the very yeah, I'm least. Just, I'm telling you, the Wildcats, man, they, they uh, like there's just teams that get rolling. You know, there's teams that get rolling at the end of the year, and that team is firing on all cylinders, and they have all the confidence in the world that they could probably go to Vegas and win that game. Hey, man, I mean, hey, you, you've you've been to Vegas, you've you've been there for a Pac-12 championship yourself, you've been to a Rose Bowl, like again, dude's done it all. If you haven't already checked out Jake Olson on Twitter and listened to his story, like. Dude's the man. Follow Jake Olson. Get dialed in here, friend of the show. Uh, personal friend of mine. Jake, I appreciate you, man. I'm sure we're going to be talking throughout the day here, kind of getting our uh, our weights situated, if you will, before the clock strikes midnight <laughs> tonight. Uh, but, dude, you're the man. I appreciate you so much, and I'm excited for USC to, to get things rolling here. It won't stay down. Programs like USC don't stay down. Uh, I firmly believe that, but I'm excited to see what they do here in the immediate future. You have to throw my accolades, uh, another another list uh you know, another thing on my list of accolades, JD, is being on your show and on three here. That's that's a big deal now these days. So thank you, man. I appreciate, I appreciate that, brother. You're the man. You're the man. Again, Jake Olson, the man with the legend. Check him out. Jake, happy Thanksgiving, brother. We'll do this again soon. Fine on, baby. Again, huge shout out to that guy, Jake Olson, man. If you haven't yet given him a follow on the socials, definitely a tremendous idea to give him a follow. Again, one of my close friends, someone who I, I trust implicitly when it comes to college football as a whole, but especially USC, uh, my guy's dialed in. So make sure you check out everything Jake's got going on over there on his social platforms. Okay, now, it's about that time. Our final thoughts for Rivalry Weekend. We've given you our predictions. We have some predictions now within those predictions when it comes to this upcoming slate. Uh, the first one, though, is just a prediction in general on what's going to happen in the Nebraska-Iowa game. I think Nebraska's going to win that football game. The line is weird. It started out favoring Iowa. 
Now it's back the other way, favoring Nebraska. At last I checked, it was like up to two, two and a half, favoring the Cornhuskers. For Iowa, this is a very weird spot. You've already punched a ticket to the Big Ten title game, and Nebraska is playing at home with a Matt Rule coached operation with a chance to go to a bowl game. I'm just calling our shot right now. I think Chubba Purdy adds a little bit more of a dynamic element to that offense. I think he's a game plan breaker. As good as this Iowa defense is, it doesn't take much more than what, like two scores, three scores to be able to win this football game. And one of those scores could end up being a field goal. So keep an eye on the under here. We may end up taking the under and, and maybe buy ourselves some uh, some Christmas presents for the kids a little bit early. Little Cousins get some Christmas presents a little bit early on the, uh, the Iowa under. Bottom line, we got Nebraska winning that football game. That's our prediction. We're calling our shot on these final thoughts on this final thought Thursday. It is Thanksgiving. Now, going forward now, let's move on to the game and our thoughts on that one. We already gave you our pick and it gave you our prediction for it. I really think that for Michigan, this is the J.J. McCarthy game. It has to be. It has to be because for Ohio State, they understand now the way that they've lost the last couple of seasons has been unacceptable. It has been a physicality from the offensive line of Michigan overpowering them up front in the trenches. It's been an attitude thing. It's been, it's been a, a toughness thing, quite frankly. And I'm, I'm not going to say that Ohio State's not a tough operation. I'm just saying the last couple of years, Michigan has been tougher. So I think the way that Ohio State approached this offseason, you would have to believe, was a tremendous focus and emphasis on being able to stop the run at will. I think that's the case. And I'm not saying they're going to totally take away the run game for Michigan, but I think we will see a point in time where Ohio State pushes Michigan into obvious passing situations and J.J. McCarthy has to deliver. We said it during our prediction show. Ohio State, as they've been evolving defensively, Michigan's been trying to do the same thing offensively trying to evolve and be able to be more multiple in how they can attack defense is a big part of that, obviously. J.J. McCarthy pushing the ball downfield. So I think we see J.J. McCarthy win or lose. I think we see him have a really solid performance through the air. And I think we end up leaving that game saying, all right, it wasn't, it wasn't a matter of Michigan being limited offensively in the pass game. That wasn't why they lost. It could be why they won. So we'll talk about that, obviously, on Sunday after we figure out what's going on in this game. Now for Ohio State, when it comes to this whole conversation around Ryan Day, it's it's a lose-lose right now, and we've said that many times, as have other people. The fact that you don't have Jim Harbaugh on the sideline against Michigan, it's tough. Because if they are to beat Michigan, then there's kind of that afterthought of like, well, it, it wasn't Jim Harbaugh, so does it really count? And then if they lose to Michigan, it's like, well, Jim Harbaugh wasn't even on the sideline, and we lost to Michigan for the third year in a row. What is going on? I want to get out in front of the entire conversation, whether they win or lose. You have the right guy at Ohio State as your head coach. Ryan Day is 54-6 and six as a head coach. Really good. Goes without saying, that's really, really good. There's a thought that he's born on third base. It's, it's one thing to get the keys to a, a really nice car. It's another thing to go out and win with it. They made the college football playoff last year. He put C.J. Stroud in the NFL. He's going to have another Marvin Harrison Jr. probably be a top three pick like they're developing talent. It's not like Ryan Day is just getting these tremendous ingredients and putting forward a subpar product. The reality is, the last couple of seasons, they have not shown up where they need to show up. Even if it happens a third time, you have the right guy at head coach. Who else would you go out and get if it's not Ryan Day running the show for you? Who else is more suited right now to lead Ohio State past Michigan than Ryan Day? So whether they do it or not, I just want to make sure we get out ahead of that and let you know there is proof in the pudding by the way that they beat Notre Dame, the way they beat Penn State, 
if they haven't arrived yet on the physicality front to beat Michigan, they're not far off. Like, I really think that if you played the Michigan-Ohio State game a couple of different times, let's say you played 100 times, I think you probably have a pretty even split down the middle by nature of how much they've developed this season. Now, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens on Saturday if we still feel that way. But that's how we feel going into it. Ryan Day is not just resting on his laurels and saying, oh, whatever. We weren't tough enough, whatever. No, they've, they've taken steps. So again, Ryan Day is the right guy as your head coach at Ohio State, win or lose this Saturday. Florida State without Jordan Travis this weekend. Sunshine showdown. You play Florida. You got Tate Rodemaker starting for you. I think this is the Trey Benson game. And not just because you don't have Jordan Travis. I think it's the Trey Benson game, even if you had Jordan Travis, because of what Florida doesn't do stopping the run. They're giving up right around 170 yards on the ground for Florida State. We've asked for this for a while now. If you can run the football effectively, you will be able to even further unlock all the talent you have on the perimeter because you can't worry about a team running the football and then have those freak show wide receivers on the outside. You got to give attention to one of them. If you want to do attention even across the board, they both hurt you. So for Trey Benson, this has to be the game. For Alex Atkins, that offensive line, this has to be the game where you just put your foot in the ground, draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? This is who we are. It could be an ugly game. It could be a weird game with two backup quarterbacks. You're on the road. Like, I think this is the spot where you need to hunker down and run the football. And I also think for Trey Benson, he'll be able to hunker down and run the football. We've seen flashes at times, saw some good things in the Miami game. I think this is the game where Trey Benson really has a a really solid showing and makes a point that, hey, I'm going to be the bell cow for us. So if you're a Florida State fan, Clearly, that's encouraging to see. Last final thought for you here. Heading into rivalry Saturday, you got A&M going to LSU. A&M's obviously already fired Jimbo Fisher. LSU, they're not making the college football playoff. They're not going to play for an SEC title. But in this game, I'm predicting we get a Heisman moment from Jaden Daniels. Because we know what's at stake here. They're not getting that extra data point like we just talked about. They don't get to play during conference championship weekend. And so I don't think there's pressure so much, but I think there is an opportunity and they thrive off that opportunity to allow Jaden Daniels to really cook against his A&M defense. And A&M's got a good defense. I'm just saying, I think he's going to put up a stat line that we can't possibly ignore that just kind of drops the mic on the whole conversation. Like, yeah, that's, that's the Heisman Trophy winner. Now, Bo Nix may go have a great game against Washington should they end up playing them in the Pac-12 title game. And the same thing for Michael Penix Jr. If they end up playing Oregon, but like, At the end of the day, I think Jaden Daniels has created enough momentum for his Heisman campaign that at this point in time, if he puts a punctuation mark on it on the last game of the season, I think there will kind of be a leave no doubt feeling that, hey, Jaden Daniels is the guy. He's the best player in college football. Let's not kid ourselves. Let's not let's not overthink this one and view it through the wrong framework of, well, best player on the best team. No, no, no. Number five for LSU is the best player in college football. He deserves the Heisman Trophy. He's having the best season. Let's drop the mic on this thing. So that's how we feel about it when it comes to our final thoughts for this rivalry weekend. Get at me on Twitter. Get at me on Instagram and let me know what y'all's final thoughts are, or y'all's predictions, rather, for this upcoming slate. We appreciate y'all so much for that. All right, now, let's move right into it. Got a, a couple of ad reads to get off our chest here for y'all. The good people bringing y'all some of the, the content today, bringing you the hard count. And... Uh, Let's keep a good thing rolling now. We're going to go ahead and start with uh, our friends at Roback. Roback is bringing you the hard count today. And you guys all know how much I love Roback. I wear them all the time for a reason. I'm going to wear them probably after this show when I'm at Thanksgiving with my family. 
throw on the hoodie because you can kind of dress it up, kind of dress it down. Uh, they had the best polos on the market. Like you would be very, very okay wearing a polo to a tailgate from Roback or wearing a polo to Thanksgiving dinner from Roback. Like it's, they got you covered. Some nice fleeces, some performance crewnecks, two things. They crush it on the comfort front and you just look good. So it's a good way to live. You got Roback going for you. They've also been proudly leading the new NIL charge, having signed partnerships with College Stars, Cade Klubnick, Kyle McCord. Big one this weekend, brother. Hopefully he's rocking some Roback. Nick Singleton, Jalen Milrow. Maybe he's wearing some Roback in the hotel as he's getting ready for the Iron Bowl. Audrey Estime. They've, all te- they've also teamed up with the legendary Coach O. So use code JD on Roback.com for a generous 20% off for all new customers. That's spelled R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. 20% off all performance polos, fleeces, joggers, shorts, whatever you want to get on Roback.com. Code JD will take care of you just in time now as we finish up the college football season and rivalry weekend. So we appreciate them that uh, we appreciate them for that, taking care of us, taking care of y'all. Just they, they get us as college football fans. All right. So get dialed in with Roback. A great way to also support the show. Again, using code JD. All right now. Appreciate everybody dialed in on a podcast. Last ad read for you. And I want to give a quick uh, quick thank you message to y'all. Okay, so Rivalry Weekend is here. Some of y'all are probably back and forth on whether you want to go to the game or not. You're talking about Thanksgiving dinner. Ah, oh, we could make it to the Iron Bowl. Oh, maybe we do want to go to the Egg Bowl. Heck, if you're, if you're talking about going to the Egg Bowl right now, like, time is ticking. Best way to make sure you have tickets, if I'm trying to go to the Egg Bowl, is using game time. Because you can buy tickets in seconds with two taps. And they also have the best last-minute ticket deal. So you're going to be able to take advantage of the bang for your buck. You can get the best prices guaranteed. Game time guarantee is that you will find a, or if you do find, rather, a seat in the same section and row for less than what you're paying, game time, they credit you 110% of the difference. It's a great way to live, okay? They are obsessed with helping you save money. It's important these days, all right? It's important, especially holiday season, trying to use that money for a, uh, some gift given. Game time, a great way to get that done. Also, know before you buy. Like, don't buy a, a ticket sitting behind the scoreboard so you miss half the game. Game time, they'll give you a view of the seat before you buy. A great way to live. So, here's what we're going to do. We're going to snag tickets without stress. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use code HARDCOUNT for $20 off. That's important now. H-A-R-D-C-O-U-N-T, hard count for $20 off. Terms apply. Again, last time, create an account, redeem code hard count for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. We said it, we said it at the top of the show, but I want to say it again. We are so enormously grateful for y'all tuning into the show. Whether you're listening on podcast, whether you're making time during your Thanksgiving to watch this show, or whether you're watching after the fact, after the stream, after the premiere, whatever, Y'all are the ones that make this show go. Similar to college football, it's a supply and demand thing. Like college football is special because of the people involved, because of the traditions, the, the fans, because of everything that goes into it on the outside in. Same thing with this show. Like we are very privileged to have this platform and to do this show on a, on a nearly daily basis and to do it live. But again, what makes it special is y'all being involved in it, y'all being a part of it. So before we get out of here, Subscribe to the channel to be a part of it. Like the video, all that. Like We, we appreciate y'all. We love y'all. Happy Thanksgiving. We're going to keep this party rolling. We will see y'all next time.
Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.